Joshua chapter 10, beginning in verse 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Haran and smote them to Azekah unto Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in going down to Beth Haran that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah and they died. Can I just say something? I wish they would have named cities like easier to pronounce because that's really hard. But anyway, we'll move on. They were more, they were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened under the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Somebody say it's going to be a long day. going to be a long day. You ever had a long day? You haven't had a day like this day. I promise you that. It's going to be a long day. This is a a beautiful chapter, despite all the hard words. (laughs) It's a beautiful chapter of how God can step in between you and your enemy and take care of business. Aren't you glad God does that for you? Aren't you glad he steps in when you need him and he fights your battles for you? It's exactly what he did here. What what is happening, let me give you a little bit of background very briefly. The Gibeonites have basically partnered with the Israelites. And Israel is now in the land of Canaan. But not only are, you know, with that land of Canaan comes enemies. They've already fought at Jericho and Ai. They've already conquered that. But there's still inhabitants there that are, they just won't leave. And so uh, the Gibeonites came to the realization that uh, God was with Israel and they were winning these battles. So let's partner with them together. And here was their, here was their plan. Here was their treaty. We will serve you as long as you protect us. So that, that was what they were doing. They partnered together. Gibeon said, we will, we will serve you, we will stand beside you as long as you protect us. Well, it didn't take too long for that to come happening because here in chapter 10, we have five different armies, five different kings coming together to go after the Gibeonites because they decided to leave them and go partner with the Israelites. You can't write movie scripts better than this. I'm telling you folks, the Bible is full of action. You need to read it. It's great. It's a great book, by the way. So they, uh, they decided to partner together with the Israelites. And here comes all these armies coming upon them to take care of the Gibeonites. And Israel has to answer the call that is 
been placed in their lap, and that is to protect the Gibeonites and to protect themselves. And this is the story that I read to you in chapter 10, verse 8. I want you to notice, first of all, the promise that God gave. The promise that God gave. The promise he gave is found in verse 8 when he said unto Joshua, fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. He said, for I have delivered them into your hand. I'll run over that one more time because you obviously have not got to the point where you understand what God's saying. For I have delivered them into your hand. You do understand they haven't even lifted a sword yet. They haven't even fought the battle. They haven't even went to the battlefield. And God said, for I have delivered them into your hands. Now, normally, if God speaks in future tense, he would have said, I will deliver them into your hands. But he didn't. He spoke in the past tense and said, for I have delivered thee into them into your hands. We need to understand really what prophecy is. Prophecy is not a prediction of the future. Prophecy is history in advance. Because when God makes a promise, <laughs> his word will stand forever. And when, it, when God makes a promise now and it happens in the future, guess what? He'll say it now that it'll happen in the future because thank God, God's, God's future is his history. Because when God speaks in future tense, he speaks in his history. Because when he says it, it's going to happen, mark it down. He said, for I have delivered them into your hands. That's a promise, and he will not go back on that. Remember, when God makes a promise, no one can come against you. Because if somebody comes against you after God has already promised it, guess what? They're too late. That's why it said no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Because when the weapon arrives, it's already too late. Because God said it wouldn't prosper. Amen. Aren't you thankful we, we work in time? We work in the present. But God works in the past and the future at the same time. I'm glad when he makes a promise, thank God, he will always back it up. He said, for I have delivered them into your hands. So, the obvious question is, to me, if God has already delivered them, why do we have to show up and fight? You may not ask yourself that question. Some of y'all didn't get a nap this afternoon, you can tell. You know why we still have to show up and fight? Even though God said it's already won? Because he doesn't need our strength. He needs our submission. He doesn't need us to fight the battle. If he's already said he's going to win it and it's already been delivered, he just needs us to submit to his will and submit to his promise. Aren't you thankful that, hallelujah, we've got something to stand on and when he says it's going to happen, hallelujah, it's going to happen. You might as well take it to the bank. Hallelujah, his promises are yay and amen. They are sure. 
He said, for I have delivered them into thine hand. And then he also said, there shall not a man of them stand before thee. That means it don't matter who comes up against you, they will not conquer you. They cannot defeat you. Now, now, think about this. This isn't the first time that Joshua heard these words. If you still have your Bibles open, if not, trust me that I'm telling you the truth. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, is when God actually gave him this promise. This is when they were, Moses had died, right? Joshua was getting ready to take over. Verse 5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I'll just read on because it's good. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance this land which I swear unto you under their fathers to give them. He said, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of my life. So this was not a new promise. God was just repeating what he already told Joshua. He was reminding him of the old promise that he gave him. The old promises, thank God, the old promises still work on a new enemy. And some of us, we hear it all the time. I need a new word from God. I need a new word from God. No, you don't. God's already said it. All you need to do is understand his promises are good when he said it in his word and they're still good today. Just be reminded of what he's already told you. Because his old promises still work on new enemies. He promised us that we should be the head and not the tail. He promised us that when we look under the hills, what's come with our help, our help will come from the Lord. He promised us no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. He told us, thank God, hallelujah, the devil is out to steal, kill, destroy. But thank God he also said, I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. You don't need a new word. You just need to be reminded of what he's already told you. And some of you are living, today you are, you are the, the fulfillment of the old promises is what you're living on today. Your mommy prayed for you. Your daddy prayed for you. Your grandparents prayed for you. God gave them a promise that you would get in and be saved. And you're sitting here today, a saved child of God. Why? Because God promised him a long time ago. They, they didn't need a new word. They just need to be reminded that his word will always come to pass. Somebody say amen. I'm busy preaching. Promise. Promise. But there was a problem with this promise. What was the problem? The problem was this. If you read through chapters nine and 10, you'll understand and you'll realize that it was against God's covenant for them to partner with Gibeon. They were, they were the, a part of that Canaanites. They were part of that group of people that were coming against them, but they had defected from them and tried to join the Israel. Israel joined up with them, but they shouldn't have. Here's the lesson we learn. In spite of our failures, God will always keep his word. Even though they messed up 
And even though they failed, and even though they were disobedient, God still said, I have delivered them into thine hand. Aren't you thankful in in spite of our failures? His word is, (laughs) thank God, it trumps our failures. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. I'm thankful no matter how many times we fall and felter. Thank God his word still said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter how many times you've backed up, no matter how many times you said, not today, no matter how many times you said, Lord, I'll get saved later. His word is still true. You can be saved today. Hallelujah. Glory to God, his promise. Secondly, notice his plan. His plan. In, verse, in chapter 10 here in verse 8, Joshua received a promise. Every other promise Joshua received up to chapter 10 had a plan associated with it. Chapter 1, they gave him a plan to enter the promised land. He said, I will raise up Joshua. He will take over from Moses. And they will enter into the promised land. Chapter 2. He, he, he used a prostitute to take in spies of, of the Israelites. They were able to spy out the land of Jericho. Chapter three, God had a plan. He split the Jordan River and allowed them to cross on dry ground. In chapter four, he had a plan. He told them to erect a memorial so that every time their children and their grandchildren went by there, they would remember what God had did for them. In chapter five, he had a plan. The plan was to reestablish consecration back to God. In chapter six, you better believe he had a plan. He said, walk around this wall, X, Y, Z, so many amount of time, shout with a voice of triumph and the walls will come down. In chapter eight, he had a plan to destroy Ai. He was gonna use arson and an ambush to come against him and to, and to get victory over Ai. But in chapter 10, he said, I will have delivered them into thine hand, but there's no plan. No plan. Wouldn't you think if you were Joshua, you'd be waiting there for the next word? Okay, God, you told me you're going to deliver them. How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? You, never, you notice God never did tell him how. Up until chapter 10, he had a plan. But chapter 10, all they had was a promise. We don't know what the plan was until you read down. In verse 10 and 11, here was the plan. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel. You say, what was the plan? God was the plan. Say, Brian, why are you trying to tell us? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes God with the promise will give a plan on how he's going to do it. But a lot of times he will give you a promise, but he won't tell you how he's going to do it. That's why you have to trust that through it all, God will be the plan. God will make a way. For with every promise, when you don't know what to do, I promise you that's when God will show up and he will take over. Aren't you glad when he bursts that promise down in our heart and you feel it so strong, you don't know exactly what he's gonna do. Hold on to his word, hold on to his promise and let God be God. Because God is the plan. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to follow him. 
Basically what he was saying was, you go ahead and use your little swords, but I'm going to take care of things from up here while you're down there. (laughs) And he's still doing that today. He's still taking care of things up there while we're down here. And aren't you glad he sits high and he looks down low? Aren't you thankful he knows what we're going through? And even though he sits up high, he knows exactly what to do. And he promises us that he would fight our battles for us. Aren't you thankful we have live stream? Amen. And I know there's people at home right now that are clapping saying praise God. All over the world. All over the world. One thing COVID did for Rubyville that we embraced has given us a whole new congregation of people. And we've embraced that. And we thank God for that. And there's much a part of us as you all here sitting in the pews. But, but there's a prerequisite. If it wasn't for a guy sitting up there that you can't see, none of that would be possible. There's thousands of people all over the world that are receiving this message right now. But there's one guy up there that has control of it all. All he has to do is hit a button and it's gone or hit a button and it's on. We can do everything we can here, but if he don't turn it on up there, nobody's going to see what's happening here. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) Even though you can't see God. (laughs) When he said, I'll keep my word. He's got everything in control up there. (laughs) And he will answer our prayers in his way, in his time, for his glory. And aren't you thankful if it wasn't for him, none of this would be possible. Hallelujah, I'm so thankful. God sees us. And God is the plan. God is the plan. But finally, notice the praise. Notice the praise. Look at what Joshua said. This is really strange, really strange. Verses 12 and 13. Then spake Joshua the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. And here's, here's an odd sentence. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood in the midst of the heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Here's my question. God had already delivered them, right? The battle had already been fought. Victory had already been won. Why would Joshua ask such a strange question. What does he care about the sun and the moon? Right? What what does that matter? Victory's already won. Why, Why does he care about the sun and the moon standing still? I got one better for you. I don't think this was a literal request because the sun don't move anyway. Am I, am I wrong? The sun doesn't move. 
right? Sun's responsible for light. The moon's responsible for time. That statement there, isn't this written in the book of Jasher? That is a non-canical book of poetry. And what Joshua was, no doubt he had read this statement at one time in his life about the sun and the moon standing still. What he was requesting for, here's, here's what I believe happened, and God granted his request. Sun is responsible for light. The moon is responsible for time. Correct? So if the sun would have set and the moon would have risen, the day would have been passed and the next day would have started, right? He wanted the sun to not be motionless. He wanted to be functionless. And here's what I mean by that. What he wanted was for this day not to end. You say, why? Because he had just experienced victory. And he didn't want the victory to end. (laughs) That's the only reason why he wanted the sun to stay put and the moon not to come up. Because he wanted to say, Lord, I'm living in this praise. I'm living in this victory. And I don't want the sun to go down. Because when the sun goes down, that means the victory is done and the battle is over and a new day will begin. I don't want this day to end. Have you ever experienced a day in your life when you'd say, oh, I wish this day would never end. I'll tell you what, this was a day that they didn't want it to end. They wanted to go on and on and on. What was it? It was a day a victory and oh how I wish we as a church would say Lord we're living in the victory we're living in praise don't let this day in but I've got good news for you there's a day coming where we won't have a need for a son and the moon won't be there Why? Because the Lamb of God is the light. (laughs) Hallelujah. And since there's no sun, and since there's no night, and since there's no day, and there's only light because the Lamb of God is the light, that means, hallelujah, we'll live in victory forever. And guess what? It's going to be a long day. 